Alrighty, I am here with Chris Henrik. He is the founder of Beyond the Monster and the host of the Obstructed View and the Routing Third Podcast. So, Chris, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So, perfect day to talk about some recent Red Sox news. Um, you know, the Red Sox announced today that Alberto Mondesi is traded to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for Southpaw reliever Josh Taylor. Um, you know, Chris, you know, tell me a little bit about how you envision the use of Monacy in the Red Sox lineup, assuming he's healthy. I mean, health is going to be, is going to be the main thing with him. Um, but more than, you know, more than likely, you know, he'll just kind of, I, I think more of like a platoon, um, between second and even obviously shortstop. Um, I think still the plan right now is Kike at short, um, and obviously Arroyo at second. So. He, I mean, what I like about it, and I'm not a big Monacy fan, and I kind of threw that out there, I don't know, maybe like two weeks ago, um, just strictly of the fact that I kind of felt like he's more of the same in regards to getting another player with, you know, this the background of being injured. But he does give them that depth up the middle, and it doesn't have to put the pressure on the younger guys in the system. So I see him more in that, you know, he doesn't have to start every day. He can kind of just come in here and, and, and find a role. And if, and if he's healthy and he gets hot, this deal has got a lot of upside. And especially considering you, you traded Josh Taylor, who didn't even pitch last year for the Sox. So um, I think overall, this is a pretty good move uh, for, for the Red Sox. You know, when it comes to this trade, you do have Taylor who's coming off uh, a 2022, you know, he didn't pitch at all. And then 2021, he was, the best undoubtedly the best lefty reliever and you have that risk factor that if taylor does pan out and do well and mondesi you know plays under 80 games and doesn't hit you know there's going to be a lot of hatred on this trade and i think rob bradford came on this show and said this is back in september he said pay for certainty i don't think you're getting certainty here with alberto mondesi he does have the talent but you know it's hard for me to see him playing over 100 games. He's only done it once in his career in 2018. He's been injury riddled and just he he has a hard time staying on the field. So I don't know, but to your credit, he does provide depth up the middle and I like I like him if he's healthy to platoon with, you know, Arroyo and you know, maybe maybe he can impact somehow. Um so on the other side of the trade, you know, you did give up Josh Taylor. Um, with the subtraction of him, do you think there's a move to get a left-handed reliever in the next coming days? Yeah, I think there's there's still a need. I mean, you know, they did sign Ryan Sheriff a couple of days ago um, to that minors deal, you know, as a lefty. But they still needed a lefty even, you know, with that move. So I still think that that's a possibility. You know, I know there's a lot of the common names that's out there that you hear of um, a lot, but I think like Matt Moore makes a lot of sense really for the Red Sox. Not really so much the fact that there's the Bloom Tampa Bay connection, but to me, kind of fits a little bit of the mold of what Matt Strom was. Um, I don't think he's going to cost you a whole ton. I think you're at the point now in free agency that it's one of two things. Some of these players, they either price themselves out and they need to come down a little bit in price. Um, and accept that MILB deal or they're going to kind of, you know, they're going to kind of be on the outside looking in. So I don't know. I, I think Matt Moore right now feels like a good route to go. 
Um, I still obviously don't rule out a trade either, but I think I think free agency is how they're gonna you know they're gonna address it. Yeah, free agency. I'm at uh, Matt Matt Moore's uh, Savant page right now, or Savant page. Um, you know, a lot of red, and I like that. The only the only uh, category where there's a lot of blue is just walk percentage. But other than that, he has some pretty solid numbers in 2022. He put up a 195 ERA in 74 innings pitched and a WHIP of 1.18. So if you're asking me, I think you know that's a decent pickup. And when you look at the 40 men, he's he's an easily replaceable guy for, you know, I don't know, Caleb Ort or, you know, Brazier, but I'll get into that a little bit later. You know, on the on the top of the 40-man roster, you know, when it comes to roster moves, you still got to get Duvall in somehow. You know, do you think this is a, a move that comes via trade or DFA? I want to hear your insight on that. I think, you know, looking at the 40-man a little bit earlier and trying to figure out, okay, where can the Red Sox go? Obviously, Caleb Ort is the first name that comes to mind. Um, I know everybody is, you know, wants to see that Brazier DFA. I just don't see it happening just yet. Um, the only other, you know, name that I think could be, you know, a possibility could be the new guy they got from Kansas City and, and Wyatt Mills. I mean, that could still be somebody they could, you know, move on off that 40. If they're going to make another move off the 40 besides those two guys, I feel like it has to come by, you know, in, in the form of a trade. Because, you know, looking at it, I just don't see how you can give up, you know, on any of, you know, what you have that's left. You know what I mean? Like, you're not moving the catchers. You're not going to DFA Dahlbeck. You know, the guys they protected, you know, before that um, Rule 5 draft. So, I, it, to me, it just seems like it's it's Wart, uh, Ort, rather. Wyatt Mills, I mean, maybe, again, maybe Brazier. But I, I think that, you know, from what I get, they don't really have any intention of, you know, moving on from him in that capacity. But, you know, if they're if you go ahead and make a you know a really good move and you can get a guy, a lefty in here, and then all of a sudden another reliever presents him themselves that has more upside, a little bit younger, then I you know obviously then I think Brazier becomes expendable. But the two million dollar price tag that's attached to him that's guaranteed, so it's two million dollars they're gonna have to pay him no matter what. Um, so. I, right now, I I would say he would be the lesser of the three players to make room uh, once Duvall gets announced, which I have a feeling it's gonna be it's gonna be soon. Well, I mean, I think didn't Bloom say this weekend it was gonna be soon because he said we're hoping to you know announce or yeah. finalize something. Didn't yeah, he say he did that it. winter weekend? Yeah, he did it winter weekend, which at first social media kind of took that as being a trade when it when it wasn't a trade. Um, you know, kind of hearing what you want to hear and then kind of turning it into something that it wasn't. Um, so once Duvall's kind of squared away, and again, you can look at another piece that's there. I think we're getting close to them kind of being done right now. I think we're getting closer to that with spring training, just, you know, a handful of weeks away. But uh, I'm excited for when they do announce Duvall, kind of get that out of the way. Um you know, you get that that power bat. There's potential. He's healthy. Um, you know, it to me looks like it's like a Renfro 2.0 that you kind of paid, you know paid a little more than what you paid for Renfro initially. Um, but that's kind of where this team's at until the rest of these younger kids develop and you know they they're where they need to be in the next couple of years. Depth, yeah, depth move. You know, 
kills two birds with one stone. He's, you know, a power hitting outfielder who hits right-handed. We kind of need more right-handed depth and then the power depth. You know, question marks are on him because he's coming off, a, I think, a wrist injury. Could be wrong. But, yep. I mean, I'm excited to what he can bring to, you know, the Red Sox. But, you know, uh, I know I, I'm jumping a little bit, but coming back to the fact that, you know, if they're if the Red Sox are going to be done or not on, you know, the free agent market, could could you see them getting stolen Iglesias even with the addition of Mondesi or an Elvis Andrus? Do you see that or no? Do you think the door shut? I so <clears throat> the sense that I get right now is that Jose Iglesias is not really on the radar for the Red Sox. Um I've also kind of like maintained pretty much like throughout the winter if they wanted Iglesias, he'd be here already. Um, that's fair. So I think he's going to end up being somebody that's probably going to settle for a monitor's pact with somebody. Um, again, obviously things can change and, you know, they might be able to bring him in. I think they like Andrews better than Iglesias from what I gather, but it's the same thing too. Like Andrews would have to be either close to an, a minor's deal or cheap money. So that's why I think right now, just kind of from talking to different people that kind of led up to this to like the last week, probably like, yeah, probably like seven days, the Mondesi and Kim stuff was just so, you know, the information was just so, you know, constant that the two was going to happen. Like Kim was the favorite, but Mondesi was kind of like the backup plan for Boston, which because the price for Kim was just way too high and it remains high. Um, so I, I look at it now from the standpoint from talking to someone today is that they addressed it with by getting Mondesi and they like a lot of the players they have in the system and that if the crew they currently have on the major league roster can stay healthy and there's no injury um, that, you know, happens to them by mid season guys like Valdez guys like Hamilton, who hasn't obviously played the triple triple uh, A level yet, they could be a factor if something did happen. So the Red Sox, you know, and I tweeted out earlier, the Red Sox, they are they are really high in Valdez. They're high in Hamilton. And it's just almost like why invest in some of these older players if you're kind of making it. I know I'm going to kind of use a bloom term here because he used it a lot. It was like that bet. You're making that big bet. You're just kind of making a bet on the players you have in your roster to stay healthy and then let these younger kids come up midseason and then you see what else you have. Yeah, fair. Definitely fair point. I mean, my, my logic in signing a Andrus or a Glacius would be, you know, two years bridge to Meyer, maybe like a third year vesting option. But point being, he Andrus or Iglesias could be that mentor to Marcelo Meyer when he comes up so he can be the the player that everyone is hoping he is because that's that's what the Red Sox are banking for right now. Um, when we... You you said you you said an interesting point. You know they're they're either gonna have Kim or get Mondesi. You know, uh, you don't have to like say anything in like specifics to what people have said, but have you got a sense of you know the Padres? Did the Padres increase their offer because they knew the Sox were desperate when Story went down? Do you get a sense of that at all? Yeah. I, so I mean. <clears throat> I felt I felt like all like personally before diving into that that the Padres were over um, rating Kim's value, and then when you start to hear from a few different people, okay, this is kind of what San Diego's looking at. It just based off of how the Red Sox operate, 
I, I never expected it to be a true realization. Like they weren't going to pay the price that San Diego is asking for. So, you know, an example would be is that Kim for, you know, Hulk plus three wasn't entirely accurate. That would have been if there was other pieces in the deal and the Red Sox were to get another player involved with that, then the deal would have been a lot, you know, you would have that six player deal or whatever it might be at that point. Um, but yeah, San Diego, you're working from a position of, of strength. You don't really need to trade Kim, but you have a team in the Red Sox that needs a shortstop and they, and he kind of fits their timeline of, you know, two years to Meyer. So why not go and ask for a Tanner Houck or, you know, one of the younger arms like a Mata or a, uh, Walter or somebody to that respect. I just don't see the Red Sox trading the young pitching for two years of Kim. And ultimately I think that that's what you ended up seeing by today with, with that modesty move. Yeah. So, so is it, you know, for a fact, it's two, would it be two years of Kim? Cause I think doesn't he have arbitration years? It's kind of you know, like fuzzy with that because so we, we posted on Beyond the Monster a picture of his contract through um, sport, uh, Spot Track with obviously baseball perspectives. They use the same thing. And it had the arbitration that's in there. So I don't necessarily know um, if those arb years were just there because that's just how the formula spit out for their program. But it would have been this year, next year, and then the option vested for the mutual piece um, for that third year, which I don't necessarily know if Kim would accept that you know, based off of the way the market's been going for some of these players. But if you look at even like next year, you're going to have a, you should have a full, uh, fully healthy story. And if let's just say Arroyo does stay healthy this year and he plays 145 games, you know, where does Kim fit in at that point? He's not going to really be a backup for you. You can trade him. So I like what they did. I, I like the, the, the shorter term piece that's here and you're not, investing too much and you didn't give up a lot and you're also going to get a, a potentially a player to be named later and you know back from the royals as well so i think the red sox went in the right route of how they wanted to approach it what you know again you can argue whether or not Mondesi is the right player that's a different conversation um i just felt all along that kim was overrated and then hearing some of the asking price to me it makes sense why they do what they did absolutely i don't i was personally not a fan of giving up Hauk and like his like four or five years of control because he's only he's only getting better by the year and he, he can be very valuable come next year depending what role he's going to serve I personally believe he's going to be a bullpen arm you know be a setup man for Jansen or if Jansen somehow need doesn't pan out I think he'll become the closer but that's just me yeah and then when you look at Kim yes he's he's a I'll say above average defender, and then on the bat, he's, eh. I, 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 I like, I like the fact that we didn't, that the Sox didn't get Kim, because I, I also feel like you're trading Bogarts and Hauk just to get Kim. Like, I just feel like that doesn't make sense. If that was the plan all along, then like, it, it makes just no sense to me. Um, you know, Heimblum. You know, people love him, people hate him. What's your grade on the Red Sox offseason? I ask this to everyone. So right now I'm, I'm going to sit in like the C range. I'll probably go C plus and I'm going to say C plus for a few reasons. One, I still don't think that they have enough power and I don't really think they truly addressed the power within the entire lineup. We don't really know what Yoshida is going to look like. You know, 
there isn't that track record from a major league, um, you know, track record of what he's going to be. Duvall does give you the potential for some power, but again, coming off a wrist injury, you know, what does that look like? So I felt that <clears throat> if they could have gone out and, and added another power bat to the lineup, so that way it just wasn't Devers, and then you're losing, you know, stories, you know, bad as well. Um, I say C plus right now. I do like what they've done with the pitching staff, though. I think the bullpen um, is solid. And if you add another proven guy to the bullpen, I think you can bump it to a B minus. I don't think that they, their offseason is, you know, within the A's. I don't even think it's like high B's. Um, there's a lot of upside to a lot of the moves they made, but there's so many players with so many question marks. It's just really unrealistic for everything to always hit. Who knows? Then again, last year, right? It's unrealistic for, you know, teams to see the injuries of the Sox, you know, went through. So maybe it kind of spins around. I think that the Red Sox right now are only going to go as far as the pitching is going to take them. If their pitching is healthy and can keep them in it, you get to around the trade deadline. If you're in the hunt, you can now start to talk about trading some of these younger players and getting that bat you were lacking or getting another arm for the for the rotation or whatever it might be. And all you got to do is get into the postseason. The Phillies shown that, you know what I mean? Like if all you got to do is get into the postseason and then you just, you kind of let things go from there. And I, I think the Phillies are a prime example of that in baseball, what they did last year. So right now I'm going to say C plus, yeah. but uh, I, I still good... think, I still think they need, an, I still think they need another arm for the bullpen. Really make that your, your absolute strength this year. No, that, that, that's a fair assessment. You know, I personally go D because Although you got Devers to an extension, that's really the only thing keeping it from an F. I still think there are so many question marks, like Justin Turner. He's 38. Question mark on him. You know, he's regressed uh, on the power-wise. You know, home runs were down, and, you know, he's the opposite of J.D. Martinez in a way. His OPS just grows by the month, where J.D. started high and went on a decline. Then you have question marks with someone like, you know, Yoshida who we really don't know what we're getting out of him, no matter what people say, because, you know, Japan Japan players have a lot of promise. I know people are saying, you know, he's he's like one of the best prospects that Japan's ever seen, or f- from, the, from Japan to the MLB, but, you know, there's still question marks on him. And then when you look at the bullpen, yeah, you did address, you did adjust the closer rule with Kenley Jansen, but there's a question mark on him when you look at the pitch clock. You know, he's one of the slowest... Uh, delivers to the plate last year and I don't know how how much of an impact the pitch clock is going to have on him you truly don't know go to the rotation you know Chris Sale I could see him starting 30 games I could also see him starting like 11 games and getting hurt for half more than half the season same thing with you know James Paxton I don't know where he's gonna fit and then same thing with you know Brian Bayo. he did show signs but like what if he doesn't work you know I could see him having an ERA of I don't know 223 after uh the first two months i could also see him see him having an era above like seven in the first month and then same thing goes with whitlock who struggled a little bit in the rotation last year and then he got moved to the bullpen so there are a lot of question marks chris and i don't really think bloom addressed that you were gonna say I joke, yeah i joked with a, a couple of friends the other night and i said that if chris sale goes 14 and 6 this season it's because one of two things either the red sox are punching their ticket to the postseason or He's going to end up, um, you know, playing the postseason for like the Cardinals. You know, it's just 
And then Chris Sale, I would lower your expectations as a fan base and just kind of let him go out and be healthy. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants him to be the ace and they want they want him to look like, you know, what we what we were accustomed to before the surge. No, just let him go out. Don't put that kind of pressure. Just let him go. The pressure for him should just be to stay healthy. He needs to prove that he can go ahead and just do that. And for all intents and purposes so far, it sounds like he's, you know, he's on the, you know, right on the right track from what was said at winter, uh, at winter weekend. Um, and really just kind of go from there. But I think you, you know, you, you make a lot of valid points with what you said there. And again, there's just so many question marks, but I think that's, what's going to make this season exciting to follow as well is just what if too, you know, I know it's easy to completely go and kind of poo-poo real quick as a fan and be like, oh, this move isn't good or this player batted this or this is whatever. I think the Red, this Red Sox team too, I mean, you really got nothing to lose because no one's expecting you to go out there and, and be a playoff team as it is. So I'm <clears throat> I'm looking forward to spring training and seeing what these guys can do and a lot of the storylines within spring training and really see how this, this roster starts to take shape, uh, excuse me, take shape over the course of the spring. No, definitely. I mean, I'm per as a fan. I know. I don't know what if you're a fan or not, but or, I should. I should have uh, rephrased, rephrased. I don't know. You know how you view the Red Sox. You know what I mean. It's, it's hard right now because <laughs> um, I try to make sure that when I tweet a certain way, I don't like to use the we's and the they's. I really try to avoid all that. Um, I try to stay neutral. Um, but, yeah. you know, I am a Red Sox fan. I grew up a Red Sox fan. I get, you know, excited when, when moves happen and things like that. But a lot of it, too, with writing and blogging um, as much and with, like, networking over the last, you know, handful of, you know, years, it's just more of – sometimes it sucks because sometimes it's just like, oh, here's just another story, and that's more exciting, and I kind of miss that fan element that I had, and it's it's kind of hard to kind of get that balance back. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of, I know some people in the Sox community who, you know, and they have the same thoughts as you, but back to what I was saying, I'm excited personally as a fan, but I think I've been saying from the, the, the past few days and months even, you know, I could see this team winning 90 games and making the playoffs. I can also see this team being below 500 and playing catch up every year or every game. And, and they cannot go down early because we saw last year they were playing keep up and everyone's like, okay, we'll get some next week. We'll get some games in this series. We end up taking uh, one out of three. Uh, okay. We'll get it next week. We drop three or four. It, it, it just, uh, an, uh, repeating pattern that I just hate. So I think when you look at the Red Sox and like, you know, what they need to do in the season, assuming everyone's healthy they got to start off really good because they have a pretty easy schedule. I think they play Baltimore twice in April and then some teams that I don't think made uh, five, above 500 last year. But your thoughts on that? No, I agree. They definitely need to get off to a hot start. They can't go 10 and 19 like last year and then hope that, you know, Alex Cora shaving his beard changes the trajectory of the season. Um, so they, they need to come out of the gate hot. I, you know, <clears throat> I, if they start 0-3 and, you know, again, and they, and they get, you know, their heads kicked in by Baltimore, 
it's just going to set a negative tone on social media, sports radio that I, this team just needs to eliminate. So um, they, they need to not have to play that catch up this year. They need to, again, I just, you don't need to go and flip the script, go 19 and 10, but I just need them to keep their head above water, you know, and see where things are, you know, um, I know a lot of a lot of people are high on Baltimore, but they have a lot of young players too, and you need to see those young players cash in. You know what? You know what is, you know their young core look like coming into this season. You know the Yankees are the Yankees, but there's some pitching questions with them as well. Tampa Bay really didn't make massive moves, and they seem to not ever do that, and they seem to be fine. But could they be a team that regresses a little bit? Well, uh, Toronto they've they've added, but Toronto to me is like the Buffalo Bills. They add, they they have a wagon of a team, but can't seem to go and get over that next hurdle. So there's a lot of pressure, in my opinion, on the Toronto Blue Jays with the way their roster is built. So I'm not saying the Red Sox are going to come right in there and they're going to go and, and flip the script and win 90 games, but you win 85 and make the postseason. But to win 85, a lot of things need to go your way. You, you need to make sure that you're healthy. I think Chris. I, I think everything needs to go your way. <laughs> I, I agree. That that's that's what that's what really stinks is that there's so many questions. Um, and I, spring training though is going to is going to answer a lot of them though. At, to at least to start, you know, if Chris Sale can get through the spring healthy, it's going to make a lot of people feel better. It's going to make a lot of fans feel better, and then there'll be a little bit of optimism around that. By being able to finally see what does James Paxton look like versus a few tweets here or there. No one really got to lay their eyes on him pitch, even any of um, with getting some rehab or anything like that. The only real, you know, video that was out there was spring training last year, you know, before he went down back down to Florida and everything else. So I think once, once people can see some of these players and again, see where things in the chips may fall as, as spring training goes, it'll, it's going to make some people feel better. People are okay. It's okay to feel, you know, that reserved of not wanting to invest to look bad because, hey, you know what? This team doesn't look that great on paper. The game isn't played on paper, it's played on the field. Who knows? The Red Sox could surprise people. Mm-hmm. I personally am I'm not a big league gambler, um, but I would take the over on the 76 wins. I think mm-hmm. that that's a safe bet. And again, if they're healthy and they can win 85 games, I think you go into the postseason as a wild card team. Yeah, you made a point earlier, you know, the Phillies did it last year. They just had to get there, and look, they they made it. Um, they almost won the World Series. And, you, you know, you said the 2022 Phillies. I'm going to argue the 2021 Red Sox because look at their start. They they had a great April. They had a great May. They had a great June. They had a great July. Their August and September at some points were at, or at most points, rather, were absolutely atrocious. Yeah, that's fair. August, August you were sitting there like, Oh my God, we just blew the division to the Rays. That's over. Now we're hanging on for dear life with the the second wild card. And you barely got that home field advantage. If they didn't get that home field advantage, if they didn't win that game in Washington, we're sitting here and we're, we're probably, we probably did not make the playoffs. So if you ask me, getting there is different from not getting there. There's a big difference. It doesn't matter how many wins you have in the playoffs. 
I think just getting there in general, you just got to get there. Um, I agree. You know, just get, you just, know, it's kind of like hockey. You just get into the tournament. Uh-huh. Same thing in baseball. You know, when when you in when you in hockey in the NHL, if you could just get into the tournament, all you need to do is get your goaltender to get hot, and you're good. Get in the postseason, let your pitching get hot, and who knows what happens. So, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, one more one more point I wanted to make, you know, Trevor's story, you know, getting getting him back mid-season, you know, I'd I'd be shocked or I wouldn't be shocked if he came back, you know, in July, I wouldn't be shocked if he was out the whole season, you know. Your thoughts on the story? Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing that he's going to miss this time because I was, you know, really looking forward to seeing a uh, story this year. Um it's easy I think it's a really, um, in my opinion, I think it's a really lazy narrative for fans to take. Well, why didn't he just get the surgery ahead of time? Well, you can't make fan, you can't make a player get surgery, and he, you know, further hurt himself ramping up for the season. So, um, it sucks that the Red Sox are going to lose him. But what I thought was was great and promising was, you know, he's at Winter Weekend. He's there supporting and being there for the fans. He didn't have to be there. He could have stayed home, um, but he was there. Uh, he talked real highly about, you know, the players. And it seems, you know, it seems like he's trying to keep himself a part of it as much as he can. Um, you know, it's a tough blow, you know, because that was your second source of power behind Devers. The question is going to be is if he is, say he comes back healthy, say they're going to back around July, where does he fit in? Because Justin Turner is going to be a DH, but where does, where's Turner going to play? Where are some of these, where are some of these moving parts going to end up? ultimately moving to it's a good it's a good uh thing to have um i'm not going to put all my my eggs into the trevor story basket but again you get him back late july august and you're in the thick of things not a bad bat to get yeah absolutely you know provides power and probably will only be a dh because if you recall in 2019 what otani did he got tommy john and only played dh you know, that's definitely the, a possibility. I think the thing to look at is how Philly's going to handle Bryce Harper. You know, same, yeah. you know, when he comes back, just going to DH and, you know, and then next season, take the training wheels off and now Story's back and maybe he's at second and you go and find another stopgap at short or whatever it might be. Um, but that's that's for another day because, I, I mean, the way this offseason is when I'm not ready to start focusing on next offseason who's going to play the infield. Oh, for sure. Alrighty, Chris. Any any closing thoughts as we wrap up here? Um, you know, it's it's I'm I'm finally getting to the point where you know it, it's time for the off season to come to an end. You know, it, it's it'll be nice once spring training gets here and we can start to talk about the storylines of what this team could look like and looking at these players in, in a different you know light. Okay, this is who's here and and start to really get invested with what the product could look like this year. Um, we'll have to kind of wait and see and, and whether or not they, you know, they make a few more additions, but I still think you got to get more to that bullpen. But other than that, you know, um, just ready, just ready for baseball. It's been a eventful off season, Chris. Oh, and sure. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. This is all going to come to an end, at least for now in a, in about a month. Because we'll see our first spring training action. And we'll see the first of the World Baseball Classic. So that's going to be fun to watch. Already, that's, Chris. That's a good call out. I'm, I'm actually, that's, I 
now that you say that spacing that out, yeah, that's, that's a good call out. Excited for that. I think too, really quick before you end the, the pod. Yeah, for sure. Being able to, with that fans are going to get to see what Verdugo looks like. You know what I mean? Like what work he put in, how does that look like going into the world baseball classic? How does Verdugo look? Um, Cause we didn't, we, nobody got to speak to him during winter weekend. He wasn't there. Um, so I think that that's another, uh, you know, call out with the winner uh, with the WBC. Um, I, I'm just, I want to see what Verdugo looks like. No. Yeah. And yeah, one more point I'll make before I end it too. I think it's going to be interesting to see how much of the world baseball classic impacts guys like Kike, who he's going to be playing center field and for the world baseball classic, but then he's going to be playing the infield for the majority of the season. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, people like him pan out. And then we won't be able to see some guys like I I have no idea if half the uh, spring training guys are going to be in the world baseball classic. Like, I just don't know. I think that could be a big factor when coming into, you know, roster decisions. So, um, yeah, Chris, thank you for coming on. It was a, it was a pleasure, man. No, thank you for having me. It was, uh, it was fun. And, uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully we talk again at some point this season and it's because the Red Sox are having a pretty good year and it's not like what we saw last year. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty. Thank you.